Hi, welcome to episode 154 of In The Rift Podcast. I'm Peter Shepherd, And I'm Callum Reid. How are we doing? We're good. Um, it's a hot day. I'm armed with Brooklyn beer. Uh, and it is a hot day and I'm armed with Coke Zero. Okay. Mm. <laughs> are you on a sober quest or it's just... I'm on a... I'm, I've been saying for weeks, I'm on a, be- I'm on a beach... In three weeks, or I'm on a beach in two on Friday in two weeks, or I'm on a beach on Friday, and all this sort of stuff. And I suddenly realised, actually, Pete, you're flying at three o'clock in the evening. It's a four-hour flight. You're actually getting there about nine, half nine. There's no sodding why you're going on the beach on that Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but so, is this the quest for the beach bod? Um, well, I will never have a beach bod, but it's a quest for the body mass index um, acceptability. <laughs> You've got to keep in that range. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, it, it is BS because it doesn't take it into account people's brains, but I am right on it, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, any news, any sporting news this week? Have we got any... Do you want to talk a little sadness? Should we get the sadness out of the way? Mm-hmm. Jules Bianchi? Yes, yes, yes. Um, promising driver, extremely good-looking lad. Yeah, um, yeah. Far, far too young. Um, getting points from uh, Mauricio is... Um, big achievement um, just um, you never know what could have happened with a guy like that because he probably would have gone to Ferrari at some point because um, he was one of their academy drivers uh, when he was younger yeah but I don't, I don't really remember that happening I, I remember it ha- I didn't watch the race I do remember it happening but it's, you sort of forget about it because um, uh, it's been nine months and you don't really hear anything but uh, yeah. yeah first death in the sport since Senna so it's been tw- over 20 years but um Start reminder and uh, very very sad. Yeah. Um, golf bit of a disaster with the golf, you know, weather wise. I, 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 I was listening to it on the radio. I didn't I didn't really watch a single stroke of it, but um, uh, it's just a bit of a shambles on the sound of it. Yeah. Well, as you'd expect a tournament in July, you would expect it to go fairly smoothly wherever you are. Yeah. Um. But apparently not. No. <laughs> In the wilds of Scotland. Indeed, indeed. Um, any? Do you want to talk about Chelsea's um... impending romp to the title? Well, is it going to be? Well, until uh, people start buying defenders, then yeah, basically. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Should we get onto it? Yeah, film podcast. Film podcast. <laughs> Alright, so the first bit of news this week we have is Ava DuVernay is, um, basically, she was considering doing the Marvel's, speak of Marvel, uh, spin-off of The Black Panther. Really? Which is uh, a black guy, and that was basically what she was interested in. She was interested in telling a mainstream story Mm. about a black superhero. Okay. But she's had to turn it down based on creative differences. Oh dear. It's like, it's like Sphere Coppola all over again. Yeah, so she still felt, even with that, that she couldn't um, get the leeway that she needed. Which, I mean, really, she should have been a bit wiser from the outset, don't you think? Well, if you if you are doing a film that is going to be north of a $100 million budget, you're going to have commercial responsibilities. Yeah. And even, I mean, I think even worse, even more responsibilities with Marvel than if it was Universal doing a superhero film. I don't think it would be quite as 
Yeah, because right. they're really protective of their in inverted commas brand. Yeah, like you know, a disaster. We we might talk, <laughs> we might talk about this later, mm. but a disaster for the series for the Marvel Studios. Um, you know, a co- complete critical commercial flop could really be hugely damaging to that brand overall. Yeah, it's based on it's kind of like Pixar. It's just based on being a commercial juggernaut. Yeah. Um, Pixar next week or the week after yeah Um, next bit of news Sam Mendes has announced that Spectre which is the upcoming Bond film Mm -hmm. will be his last Bond film it's only his second yes and Uh. that's that's enough for him clearly (laughs) well to be fair I mean he's he will have if he wasn't set up for life anyway he will be now and um, he can do whatever he likes now yeah, and I mean, maybe he's just sick of spending time in Britain with it being his ex's homeland. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I think Sp- he's... Spend more time watching the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> but he has been... I mean, I would say that the Bond series in general has been on a huge upturn since Craig took over. But... Mendes certainly is not diminished that at all with no. Skyfall. No, I think a lot of people like Skyfall the best out of um, the either that or Casino Royale. Out of yeah, the new ones. yeah, but they've all been they've all been decent. Mm. Um, last bit of news, uh, film news before we get to the birthdays is Carol Burnett has been uh, announced as this year's recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award at the SAG Awards, which obviously kind of, well, as well as film, offers kind of television awards, because Carol Burnett, mainly famous for having the Carol Burnett show, but she was also in Annie, and um, several other films in the 80s, I think she got Globe nominations in the 80s, for film. Yeah. So that seems like a fair, a fair show, and it gets somebody back. This is the thing about which annoys me when they give lifetime achievement awards to people who are still firmly in the business, yeah, as opposed to people who have left it. And we need reminding about how good they were, yeah, or, yeah. You know, so this is kind of one of those where it's it's kind of paying homage to somebody who doesn't really work much anymore. Well, no, I mean it, it is almost well, yes. Trying to think, you have to go down quite a long way down a resume to find uh, something that isn't mainly TV based. I mean, Rita Marino got it mm. the other year. Oh, would yeah. you? Mm. I mean, um, this is, is this is Globes, right? Yeah. This is the SAG. SAG, right? Okay, we'll find you. Yeah, they always split into TV, so it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, Betty White got it recently, I think, uh, for SAG. So. Yeah. So that concludes this week's news. So we're going to talk about birthdays. Right. Yep. Yeah. A plethora of actors. The um, uh, directors are far more interesting. Um, so just. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, I don't think we could just give one a quick shout out or best performance. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Uh, stop me when. Maybe it's shouldn't have started with that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Robin Williams. Uh, well, Josh Hartnett. Lucky number eleven. Maybe mm, for the tr- for the trail. Yeah, 
Robin Williams? Um, I would go with probably Aladdin. Um, I'm torn between Insomnia and something like uh, Dead Poets. But I'll, I'll go with Insomnia. Uh, Juno Temple. Oof. Um, I I might I might go out on a limb here and say a torment. Ah. Because in retrospect, I think she was really, she gave a really soulful performance in a torment that didn't wasn't a big part of the film, and so it got overlooked. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, I'd have to go Killer Joe for her. Yeah. Um, who else have we got? Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Oof. God. Uh, come back to me. You go first. I was hoping you wouldn't, because I, I was just going <laughs> to... Don't get me wrong, I do think the woman's fantastic. But uh, I just got to flick down, because I don't want to give an actual answer. I really like her in The Tree. I think she's very good. Um, I think she's uh, one of the better things about I'm Not There as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm probably going to go with The Tree, I would say. I'm probably going to go with Melancholia. Mm. Although, for a um, uh, rom-com type performance, uh, you can't really do better than uh, uh, she did a film called uh, Pretty White Man, which is I Do, which is her and um, the guy from Science of Sleep. Um, it's very, very good. Wow. I d- would never have thought she would do that romantic comedy. No, it's just straight down the line. Um, she hires someone to pretend to be her fiancé to get her family off her back. It's Alan Shabbat. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, is that it for that? Oh uh, no, uh, Jessica Barden and uh, but that'll do. Uh, so directors, <laughs> Hannah, Hannah. Yeah. So directors, <laughs> like, Norman Jewison. Oh God! You really should have given me this for research. Ah, uh, well, for me, well, the Hurricane is probably the most recent one that he that he did uh, that uh, was really up there. Uh, for not, me, not in the heat of the night. No. <laughs> I think for me, it's uh, clearly Thomas Crown Fair, personally. Um, I uh, I do really, really like that film. Um, since Assy Kid's useful, but yeah, for me, I, mean, uh, I like In the Heat of Night as well. Um, not a fan of uh, just my superstar. Um, what do you think of The Soldier's Story? I actually think it's one of the better nominees of that year. Moonstruck? Um, Moonstruck's decent. There are a lot of bad films in here. Um, yeah, they're, they're really Agnes high. of God. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Thomas Crown is the one that uh, really... Tom, the late 60s stuff sticks out. Yeah. Uh, Bellatar. <laughs> never seen a Bellatar film. Uh, and I've never seen one that I like, so I'm, I'm going to be nice and not disparage the man on his birthday. Abstain. And, uh, how, yeah, yeah. how old would he have been? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Carol R- Rice. Oh, wow. That would be Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, which is a hell of a film. Beastly. Uh, I really like the French Lieutenant's Woman, actually. Um, I think that's underrated as a film. I think they do a really uh, interesting job with that, considering the um, uh, subject, uh, the source material as well. Um, well Isadora, Isadora and Morgan are just really... Oof, I, I, I struggle getting through both of those for different reasons. I quite liked Morgan. Um, I have not seen Isadora. No, but I mean, um, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning is just an absolute stone cold classic. Um, 
Finney is just this. When you look at Finney yeah. in that film, you see what Ben Affleck could and should have been. Really, um, he, he's just brilliant. This sporting life. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet dreams. Have you seen I love, Sweet Dreams? I love, I love all of uh, the um, uh, kitchen sinks. Really, I think the one I like the least is probably something like uh, Taste of Honey, but it's still quite good. Yeah, he's touching him, carries it. And um, what, of course, just a shout out to Carol Rice's um, wife. Who was his wife? Betsy Blair. Really? <laughs> he married Betsy Blair in the sixties, and um, that's not quite as random as Roald Dahl marrying Patricia Neal, but it's it's up there. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, that's why. That's why. Do you think Sophie Dahl's so fit? <laughs> <laughs> Looks nothing like Patricia Neal, though. <laughs> oh, dear. But yet, yeah, uh, you know what? Carol Rice didn't even win a BAFTA. It's, it's tough. It depends what, what year you're nominated in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They won, they won Best British Film for us at the night Sunday morning, but he, he only ever got nominated for director at the BAFTAs for Precious Times Wow. So, is that all the directors? Yep, that's it. Done. Cool. So, happy birthday, one and all. Mm. <laughs> okay, um, we're going to do preconceptions. Yeah, this, this week. week. Yeah, this week we're doing True Story, Lake on the Tong, uh, Marshland, and Ant Man. Okay, preconceptions for True Story, if you had any. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I just, the cast, is it's not my cast. Right. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know who made it. I didn't really know much about the story. Mm. But I did know that James Franco and Jonah Hill were the main leads. Exactly. Um, that is not a plus in... Anyway, shape or form? It's difficult because I do like James Franco in certain things. I do like Jonah Hill in certain things. Gucci adverts. <laughs> But the combination of the two mm. was not drawing me, and no. the only real, you know, experience of them both together has been yeah. in kind of silly comedies that have not really been my thing. Yeah. So that wasn't a plus. Felicity Jones is always a plus, obviously. Um, but I was kind of, um, this was available, and I thought it it looked like it could be um engaging. Lake Hamilton, do you know anything about this? Yeah, it's called Love at First Fight. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible <laughs> English title. I mean, that is hideous. Absolutely <laughs> disgraceful, whoever came up with that. Because guess how they meet? They have an, an, an unorganised an, an fight on the beach. Oh my god. <sighs> anyway, it's, sorry. It's, um,. I thought it looked cute, um, and I was, I mean, I didn't see it, but if I'd mm. seen it, I would have kind of been hoping for conversation with other women, kind of thing, like mm. something really kind of snappy and a mm. real dialogue piece for the whole film. Right. Um, I knew that it was about two people who meet uh, in training for the military. And I was I'm... a male war bride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, 
It's uh, loving the military and not the gay kind. <laughs> <laughs> Bellamy. <laughs> yes, this is not. What is it? No, it's um, um, what was that? Um, uh, oh, grief! I'll, I'll come back to me. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, that was actually that was quite gay. Yeah, <laughs> so gay. <laughs> um, so I knew about that, um, and uh, that was pr- uh, pretty pretty much it. Um, I didn't know uh, about the director or anybody involved or anything like that. So, but I was going in hoping for something uh, along the lines a bit different to you. I was hoping for something more about like a, an Angel and Tony um, sort of thing, just maybe with the two of them getting together. But, uh, just in, I had that in my mind as I was walking in, hoping it would be on that sort of level. Okay. Um, Marshland, you didn't know anything about this. No. I didn't know anything about this until earlier, but it's um Spanish film, and I my only preconception was that I knew it was about a serial killer. Right. And trying to find a serial killer. And that kind of appealed to me because I do like mysteries. Secret in their eyes, too. <laughs> yeah. Um... But it's like, I mean, I, you know, you, you could get anything. You could yeah. get, um, what's the worst thriller you can think of? Anything with Ashley Judd and uh, I was, gonna, I was just thinking Double Jeopardy. <laughs> you get Double Jeopardy. The Bone you, Collector. That's not bad, but it's just painfully average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you could get something like um, Seven. Mm. Well, what was the line I used to use about Bollywood films? This, you don't, I don't really go to see them because I don't really want to inadvertently walk into the Indian version of Just Like Heaven. Yeah, yeah. Or What Women Want. What was the <laughs> Chinese version of What Women Want? With Gong oh, Lee. God. The, uh, what was that called? Um, I actually... Sadly, it was Gong Lee and Andy Lau, thank you very much. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, um I can't remember. The, it was a terrible Love Love at First Bite? No, God. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm googling it. I'm not googling it. I'm IMDbing it as we speak. It'll be up in a second. If there wasn't a good pun in it, it's not worth <laughs> the effort. God, it was actually called. Uh, oh, it was called What Women Want. Mm. Okay. Well, that was an anticlimax. That's really it's so disappointing. <laughs> Much like the film. <laughs> uh, Mel Gibson is great in What Women Want, by the way. Andy Lau is not great in What Women Want. <laughs> <laughs> he's so insufferable and considering he's a naturally charming guy it's um, almost impressive <laughs> um, Ant-Man preconceptions uh, cash cow milkage uh, really not convinced by Paul Rudd as a superhero but I was kind of guessing that that was going to be the point um, just the, it looked the, my preconception was it just looked lame with the really, this is like this has got to be like out of the toilet bowl of superheroes if they're finally um, unleashing this one or uh, they're finally hoisting this one out of the pan. <laughs> um, so that was my preconception on it. I was just thinking they were just going to be absolutely scraping and just doing it purely for the cash. I didn't see the trailer for this. I did, <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that it was Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's a plus in any situation for me. Yeah, sure. Um, but, of course, we, we've talked about Marvel earlier, and I generally, Marvel is a huge um, 
a huge negative for me. Mm. There's no getting around it. I think the way that they've shaped the industry is bad. Mm. But at the same time, I have enjoyed some of their films. I like Iron the, Man 3, yeah. I, I liked Iron Man 3. I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was uh, entertaining. Uh. So it's not been all bad. Um, no. So they're certainly capable of putting a show on. I was just hoping this was going to be on the lighter end of things. Um, yes. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, oh wait, hold, I did know it was Peyton Reed, and I thought that Bring It On was great, and I loved Down With Love. So him as a director is a huge plus. Right. Uh, so him being involved was encouraging. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know who was behind the camera. I don't, I don't think it really matters when it comes to a Marvel film. Okay. All right. Um, so t- tell me about True Story. True Story. This starts with basically... Blake J- Lively driving through <laughs> the woods on the side of a lake <laughs> in 1906. <laughs> when suddenly, startled, <laughs> she crashes off the road. You should do um, voiceovers, clearly. <laughs> you would have done better than the guy who did the voiceover in that film, man. That's because I'm not on amphetamines. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, this, this, blessfully, there's no um, scientific explanations that haven't the occurred Bogues, yet. The Bogues Hosen Berskovich <laughs> theory. <laughs> That we've made up this Austrian scientist theory. Yeah, which will be discovered in about 79,000 years' time. So you can't ever dispute this film. Fact, bro. True story. (laughs) Oh my god. Sorry. I'm convinced Harrison Ford only read his lines in that film. It's like um, like we were talking about that anecdote last week on uh, (laughs) The Curse of Frankenstein, where... where, um, uh, Christopher Lee burst into the dressing room complaining that he had no lines and Peter Cushing said but that's alright for you I've read the script <laughs> <laughs> oh god so anyway right James true story Frank- that James- one <laughs> true, true story bro um, yes this is James Franco he plays Christian Longo who is a guy from Oregon whose wife and three children have been murdered um, he's arrested for the murder um in Mexico, where he's been hiding out and claiming uh, to be named Mike Finkel, who is in fact Jonah Hill, who is a, a journalist for the New York Times. So Franco is under the alias of Jonah Hill. Mm. Um, meanwhile, Jonah Hill is actually in Africa uh, researching a story about child slavery on uh, cocoa plantations. Mm. And um, basically, he fabricates something. He fudges it. He says he meets a guy, um, and then he meets another guy, and bad stuff has happened to them. And he basically merges it to make it say that it's all happened to this one kid, yeah. so it's a better story. Mm. And the New York Times find out and sack him. His reputation's in tatters. Meanwhile, this Christian Longo. Um, he finds out this Christian Longo has been using his name, writes to him, eventually meets him. And the two of them basically write a book together while Longo is awaiting trial. And the first 60% of it is 
that happening, the book being written, them interacting, and the last 40% pretty much is the trial. Right. So, it's sort of like, I mean, it's on, it's in the vein of 90s thrillers, essentially. Like, you know, the kind of thing where it's like lawyer meets defendant yeah. has to decide whether they're guilty or innocent. Oh, Ed Dawson, were you doing that the whole time? Oh, God. Don't... This is in my notes. Primal, Primal fear, fear is absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's honestly the worst ending to a film. And it's not because the audience has been betrayed, particularly. It, it's the biggest it's, waste of Laura Linney. That's the most offensive thing. <laughs> it's just the most cartoonish end to a film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, the performance... We just we should just do this like single out one Oscar nom- nominated performance every week to just slit. <laughs> thing is, <laughs> how, that... can we when you compare how what a beautiful performance he gave in um, the People vs. Larry Flint and how perfectly judged that was in the same year? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a hack job of a film. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> is it Gear? Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so it's got that whole, in this, this case it's a journalist and a um, criminal, but it's got that whole exercise of like gem- generating drama out of, you know, the, the questioning the guilt. Yeah. Except in this, there isn't really much question, because at the beginning they don't really, um, they don't really colour it too much. And I'm guessing that that is because it is a true story. Right. This did actually happen. Mm. So in that sense, I think they feel a bit beholden to it and they don't want to make James Franco's character seem... Unless this is a fault of the performance, but I don't. I feel it's probably more a fault of the script, is that they don't really make him feel enough aware um, or kind of opposing... Yeah. to what's happening to him you know it's kind of like he's accepting it and he's kind of has this autism vibe about him which makes you it makes you doubt the fact that he could ever be innocent right and that's an issue for me and i think the film's more interesting when it gets away from that issue and it gets more towards jonah hill and him reacting to the manipulation of the the media who's surrounding this guy you know coverage and the whole justice system and the american because there's been a lot of uh situations about the american justice system just an absolute joke sometimes when you get somebody who's high profile is there arrested. a scene in this film where uh, there's a shawshank redemption just got out of the tunnel shot from above with a jonah hill putting his arms out in a christ-like thing saying justice at the top of his voice because <laughs> that's all that's the image that i had when you were talking about that Eating a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> the drool coming down the chin mid screen. <laughs> um, it's no, it's not like that. It's not as. <laughs> it's not as. Um, it's not as Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Heart ringing, heart ringing, no, hand ringingly. Um, over the top. Over the top as that. Mm. It's not, yeah. 
it's not the judge. I mean, it's not as good. As the, <laughs> it's not as good as the judge, but it's also not as serious as the judge. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like you know, the judge was serious. Do you remember the subplot involving Vera daughter? <laughs> that was just misjudged. You know, if you <laughs> the, palm, the misjudged. The palm, the palm. <laughs> they, they, they just missed off the beginning of the title of the film. It was originally the misjudged. It was love at first judged. Love it's... at first shite. <laughs> <laughs> now I know because you used that that you're not saving that up for the film. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but it's like the allure of James Franco never looked better in this. Mm. Um, well, when maybe when he was James Dean. But, I was um, say maybe he's on the side of um, uh, St. St. Mark's Square. What? <laughs> remember when, uh, one year I was in Venice and there was just a James Franco advert all along like, the whole like side of um, the Basilica in St. Mark's Square. Yeah, it was him and the uh, actor who wanted to work. That was basically... <laughs> Do you remember the actor? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Um, anyway, so yeah, the allure of the criminal and um, the story about that. That's interesting. The commentary in the similar way to Gone Girl, but nowhere near as deep or cynical. Yeah. Um, but mainly, uh, the problem I've got is the casting of Jonah Hill and James Franco. And it's not to do with their performances particularly, because I think they both do pretty decent work in the film mm. but with them being mainly comic actors at least together it makes them slightly hard to accept in this soberingly dramatic environment Yeah, and because we, did we both see this is the end? No. I saw this is the end because in that I mean you just get the vibe that they know each other in real life yeah, and because they know each other in real life, the dynamic between them is too comfortable yeah. to sell to properly sell the tension that should come from somebody walking into a room with a suspected murderer yeah. of children as well. You know, it's not. And it what, seems... about, uh, what about uh, screenplays? What do you mean? Suspected murderer of screenplays. Oh, God. <laughs> It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, it's, it just seems like it would benefit from experienced actors who are not who have never worked with each other before. Yeah. So something like you like I don't know if they'd ever worked together before, but Sarandon and Penn, for instance. You're Dead Man Walking, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. In Dead Man Walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. If they'd, ne- you know, I, I don't know yeah. if they've ever worked together before. That I didn't seem. I but don't they're know. good enough to sell it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, but it would just benefit from better actors, edge, but also edge. who's yeah, who've not really, yeah, um, but it's just it kind of wastes Felicity Jones, which is a real shame. Um, well, I did, I did in uh, my my orchestra at school. Yeah, we didn't even notice her. Just <laughs> a wallflower back then, wasn't she? That <laughs> she'd not bloomed into full. <laughs> Full unison had not commenced. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I don't know how many, many orchestra terms we can get here. There's a crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> the concerto was unfulfilled. The unfinished symph- symphony. 
<laughs> but she just skulks around for an hour and she's just got nothing to do. And she's Jonah Hill's girlfriend. And Whatever. She's, <laughs> she's got... Whatever. <laughs> and he's just like... He's too busy to talk to her, basically. And it's like the film suddenly decides, about two-thirds of the way through, that her character's going to weigh in with an opinion of James Franco's behaviour and, and how he's, you know, approaching the trial, which is made not in the most honest fashion. Um... So he's, and she suddenly has this really, she has this scene with him, which is so written and so forced from the script perspective, where she basically just completely and utterly tears him into shreds. Throws him under the bus. Throws him under the bus. And you think, why? Why do you feel the need to do this? Even if you feel like this, why do you feel the need mm. to weigh in on the story, weigh in on this? And it's because... The it's writers because, want to add some drama into, into the scene. Yeah, and they want to have a reason for another character to exist when they haven't made the groundwork with that character and they haven't done enough with her to make her even get you know get an uh, opportunity to show personality. Mm. You know, it's just the scenes between her and Jonah Hill are just really trying, like, really just banal, you know? Mm. Um, so that's a real shame. So, but I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of enjoyed watching it, um, and I do think that it does enough right to um, to be average. And but I just think it is very, very, very average. Mm. Uh, and it, if it had been cast better, it might be a little bit above. Um, but there are too many writing faults to uh, overlook. So C plus, mm. the true story. Right, so Le Combaton. I'm not going to call it the the other title. Love at first fight. Good grief! We'll have to end with Kylie. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good song. Um, Right. uh, So uh, Le Combaton um, begins with a couple of lads who uh, whose father has just died. They go to a the funeral director and he's trying to flog them a coffin. Uh, and they um, see that this got the coffins they're charging ridiculous amounts and the wood is even any good and then it cuts to them uh, a montage of them uh, putting together a coffin themselves they're they're uh, they're in the trades uh, they and they can they can, the young lads they're good with their hands and it's been ne- never before has a job as a working class as that and I do one that's quite similar <laughs> been made to look so cool <laughs> as they as they do in this film. Um, anyway, but, uh, so... Uh, well, it's like bright days ahead. I mean, they never made a, you know, a, a retirement home look so cool, <laughs> did they, really? <laughs> Free sex, you know? Well, with, um, uh, with Fanny Ardant's backside in that, uh, I think that's all the film was about. Um, so, uh, the, the two lads are taking, uh, uh, got a push on the business, uh, but the mother is encouraging the younger of the two who we, who we, who we are following, whose name's Arnaud, to uh, branch out because uh, France is uh, in the crapper domestic uh, fine, uh, in terms of uh, the economy, so she's saying don't feel like you have to stay around here. There is a, a mobile group of uh, soldiers who are recruiting for the French army, and uh, one day, whilst c- coming out of the uh, recruitment office, just he'd just gone there to grab some free stuff. 
uh, his mates have signed him up for a, uh, a non uh, sort of self self defence uh, uh, dis- uh, exhibition on the beach, and he gets put up against a girl called Madeline, who is basically he basically kicks his ass until he like bites her, and uh, then um, it's sort of like cancels the draw. Um, a couple of days later, in a completely non-written and uh, coincidental screenwriter way, way uh, him and his brother turn up to uh, put up some, uh, a summer house on by someone's pool, and it's at uh, Madeline's parents' house, and so he has to see her again. But oh, uh, as, it, as she, as it becomes clear that she is uh, uh, determined to uh, uh, follow a career in the army, he gets more tempted to do the same. It's slightly Nicholas Sparks, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the fight thing, and then the he's Summer working hat. on... Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, it should be set in Malibu and star Miley Cyrus, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, the, 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 unfortunately, the cheesy podcast title will be that for the French, this was actually the story of Adele H, because uh, Adele Anel won the César for Best Actress for this film, which I only found out after the fact. Wow. And th- listen to this lineup that she beats. No, I'm not talking about p- performances necessarily. Oh, well, we will get to Karen VR, who is. Uh, that film is being released soon. Is it good? It any is. Karen, any Car- Karen VR film that gets released, I'm extremely happy about. But this is the other actresses that she beats. <laughs> Juliette Binoche, Marion Cotillard, Catherine Deneuve, Emily, Emily Duquen, Sandrine Kibbelan, and Karen Beyond. Jesus. <laughs> and, she, and she'd won the year before. <laughs> what was the one for... Did the woman from Camille Rewinds win? Um, yeah, Naomi Lebowski, yeah. Um, yeah, did yeah. she beat a lot of people as well? Yeah, they, I don't think they really care. But um, I, I only re- <laughs> this is one of those ones where after the fact, I'm like, of course, it's the girl from Water Lilies. It's the blonde girl from Water Lilies. Oh wow, Selena Sharma. Well, yeah. Well, isn't that the um, uh, LGBT uh, Gallic version of uh, Sam Taylor Johnson? <laughs> Oh, let's not go there. Uh, I hope they're very happy. I'm, I'm sure this is. I'm sure this is appropriately twelve air, is it? Well, I'm sure what her and um, the, the girl that she directed when she was seventeen years old in Waterloo's get up to um, is purely not twelve A. It's more. I'm sure it's more uh, blues the warm's colour, but whatever. Um, what is that a thing? Or yes, that... they're going. They're, they're together. Oh my god. So it's exactly the same as Sam Taylor Wood and uh, Aaron Johnson. Exactly. Anyway. Is she going to change her name to uh, <laughs> Selena Sharma <laughs> now? <laughs> so then they, when they do the biopic, it's Selene before Arnell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We really should plan this stuff. It sounds as if we have. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway. Um, so yeah, they the French. Are, um, the post conception is that well, the French are all in love with this, but it's the lad. I mean, so the girl, she's basically it. it it's a couple of sporting people. They remind me of. It reminds me of like because she's a very uh, she's very broad shoulders. She's got a very sort of like tennis player build. She's kind of reminds me a bit of it's like a prettier version of Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. And the lad Kev, Kevin Azais is it's like a. Young David Moyes, but handsome. It's quite alarming. 
Um, Some of the references. Hey, I know. It, it, I know. I thought you were going to go on Moschino and then you just no, Pavlichenko. No. I'm thinking I don't even know what she looks like. No, um, but um, yeah, basically the, the lad. But for me, the lad's the start of the show. Now he won best promise, uh, most promising actor. Fine, fair enough. But I mean, uh, he is. Uh, he's got a lot more to do. He's working on far more levels. Don't get me wrong. What Adele, what Adele's doing for most of it because she um, she is such a tomboyish type character. Um, and she's basically a fatalist uh, uh, slash survivalist. She's going to the army because she's convinced that the end of the world's coming, and oh, um, uh, she wants to prepare herself. But um, uh, so she's um, when she's like um, trying to trying to do when there's things happening with like him like asking her out and or, or the relationships go moving along a little bit. Um, she, she does act it very well, but um, he, he has a lot. He has a lot more levels to work on, um, but because uh, uh, he's got a lot more, his character has a lot more conflict. Because he's got like his his family, he's, he's torn between his family, and he likes the girl. And what's he do? He's, he's just at that, that sort of age. It's a, it's more it's a more interesting um, uh, uh, character moment in the character's life for, for him than, than uh, she has to play. Yeah. Um, but uh, the longer it, um, they are good together, but the and the acting really does elevate this. It, it's a debut feature. It's it's very well shot. Um, uh, just just looks great. I suppose you can tell a little bit after the fact that it is a debut because there is a little bit music video y at times, or, or sometimes they'll cut to them like the, on the army maneuver, and there'll be like some, a, a very chosen uh, like poppy dance track. It's always, always the way music finds out um, debut filmmakers all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, uh, uh, the acting is a major strength. So I mean, I can't begrudge, uh, I don't begrudge it any of the success it's had on on uh, on, on that front. Until uh, you see Karen VR. <laughs> I know, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, but it's it's. Uh, if, if, if it's it's not a bad shout that a film like this actually gets um, attention, I think it actually is on about the level of uh, Angel and Tony. Even that's a completely different film, completely mm. different film. But um, uh, it's what it kind of says uh, culturally is it's a little bit interesting. Um, it tries to draw, uh, but the final third does go in a bit uh, of a Badlands sort of direction. Uh, and and um, dramatically, it's not that great. Um, it's a bit. It's it's believable in terms of the uh, characterization because he's doing all the he's doing all these things for her. He's going all these places. He's like signing up for a, a pre camp at a, uh, uh, for the army. So just because he knows she's going to be there, so it does make sense uh, psychologically for him to carry on following her and carrying carry on the journey, carry on the journey. Yeah. But uh, dramatically, it, it does. Kind of um, uh, growing to a halt after an hour, and so what it then then relies on the appealing nature of the performances and um, a, an intellectual uh, point to unscore it. It, it. it uses um, uh, the um, uh, physically what uh, physically what's happening uh, in and around the area uh, as an allegory for what's happening in France as a whole. Um, it's laid on a little bit thick early. Um, uh, on a di- but the first time she goes around for dinner, um, she's like saying how, it's, how bad everything is, and uh, that. And of course, the brother and the mother are all like, "Oh, it's too depressing." But he, you can, you can see that he's like sort of not completely against it. 
And so fine, you get that they're saying that Francis is in, 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 the, in the toilet and um, this, this is the only way out for some people or, um, and, and other stuff. Uh, but it's only quite, it's only a, a little bit interesting. It's not enough to, when, you, when you've got the intellectual aspect of it basically underpinning the whole final third, yeah. uh, it doesn't really end in the most successful of manners. I'm surprised. Um, I think that is an, an absolute signal of complete marketing fail internationally because that title said to me romantic comedy. Yeah. And the way that it's obviously a kind of coming of age drama in yes. a way, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, the, t- the title is just, I suppose, it's just cynical. I mean, they weren't advertising it at my cinema with that title, they were using the French one. Yeah. So the combatant, what is it? The fighters or the fighters? Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is. Uh, um, it's. I'd recommend it for the, for for the acting. It's not. It's it's good to see a nice couple of young uh, people uh, doing well and not being traditionally great looking as well. It feels very. Yeah. It feels very real. I mean. Um, don't get me wrong, the, 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 they're, not, it's, they're not unattractive people. It's, it's just not Nicholas Sparks. No, in that respect, it's not. And uh, it's, not, it's not like where you've got... Um, <laughs> where you've got someone like Jennifer Lawrence who's supposed to be dowdy or something like that. It's, it's not like that. Okay, what, well, is this a seven? It is, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a low four-star film. It's uh, got a lot going for it. Okay, so tell me about Marshland then. Marshland, this is a Spanish film. It's set in the year 1980. And it's about two homicide detectives um, who are kind of opposed um, in terms of politics. Um, And they're from Madrid and they're sent to a forgotten town, uh, which is full of marshes. I thought you were going to say, can't remember what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't. (laughs) To investigate the disappearance uh, and eventual murder of two teenage girls, I think they're 15 and 17. Mm. So they've been murdered um, and they kind of have to overcome their differences as people. um, But they also find out that there have been two other murders in the town in the past two or three years, which may be connected. Mm. Thus begins... Um, the investigation of sorts and I mean it's kind of got, it's kind of like when you're not expecting something and you go into it and you think oh and it's like my initial impressions of it were that it was a bit try hard and yeah. um, just with the with the whole setup with the detectives and it comes from this very frank like um Franco, the the Franco era had ended, basically. I, I don't know when. Nineteen seventy-five. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's... don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's basically it's fresh in the memory, and there's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of bitterness t- towards that era. Oh yeah, huge man, huge man. Yeah, and one of this these detectives was part of Franco's Gestapo, as it were. It's the lives of others meets uh, Cold <laughs> July. Meets what? Cold in July. <laughs> oh, God. Devil's Knot. 
that's coming up in a bit, yeah. Um, it's like the, yeah, it's just, it's it just feels a little bit try hard with the dynamic, and it doesn't really work. Um, the the other one, the other guy is like a young sort of young Spanish Sean Penn. You know, he's mm. very kind of not idealistic, but he's a lot younger and he's a lot less worldlier. Um, whereas this this other guy who was in the Gestapo is this older brutish figure. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's sort of like, it just feels like there needs to be a little bit more there. And when it comes around at the end, there's kind of a late turn of events, which, you know, kind of zeroes in on the, their relationship mm. and shades one of the characters a lot to the extent where it kind of makes you question all that's gone before in that, in that character. It just... I just don't think it works as much as it could work. Mm. And I wanted more of... More of, like, Faris Faris. <laughs> you know, like, I wanted more of... Yeah, um, yeah. That dynamic. I think that would have been more interesting. Mm. Um, because there just doesn't seem to be enough banter between them. Well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, keep, keep a lost souls. At least you had that lightness... Causes to to to, to, under, to underpin uh, the story, uh, so you weren't just always in the grim, in the gloom. Yeah, and it's not just lightness though. It doesn't have to be good banter. It can be, you know, as long as it's got something to say, I don't yeah. mind. But this, a lot of it is about the case, and a lot of it is about physical, kind of looks at one another, and like, just I don't want to be here vibe. Mm. Um. But in any case, when you get to the older cases and the murders, it does feel a bit random in the way they introduce them and a bit unnecessary in the sense that we've well, got these particular murders, whether these the murder of these two teenage girls are down to one serial killer or it's just an isolated incident. Mm. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's immaterial. So the fact that they're bringing up these other random murders in a way that's not very coherent, it's like, oh, well, this happened then, this happened then, just felt a bit, I don't know, I just felt like it didn't, the film didn't really need it, because it's not, it's not a mystery in the real sense of a whodunit. Yeah. So it didn't really need to go there. But you do get, I mean, and I think part of the reason why I didn't think it needed to go there is because the actual scenes like Devil's Knot of the uncovering of the bodies yeah. was quite harrowing and chilling in itself. Because um, it's got like... Eerie. Yeah, the like, goyingness of it all. Yeah, like kind of the naked you know, basically white bodies being mm. carried out and it's just like oh yeah. god, it's horrible. Mm. Um, but the mystery's kind of itself is like a less interesting it's it's not there aren't a host of subjects and then it reveals who it is at the end which mm. is kind of me just liking the whole mystery formula of things mm. and wanting there to be intricacies but you can get around that you can get like a film like Chinatown which yeah. which isn't you know it's it's got it's not I wouldn't necessarily call it a whodunit but it's all very much on tenterhooks towards until Yeah, because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And it's about uncovering the structure of that. Mm. 
Whereas this... It doesn't work is... on that level. It doesn't well, have that level. Yeah, well, there is only one suspect, and it kind of becomes less about uncovering the truth and more about chasing the person who's done it. Mm. So for me, I didn't really appreciate how linear the mystery of it was, and I would have liked more intricacies in that process than then going back at the end and trying to add this little semi-twist slash... I mean, cause you, you can do that. I mean, you can have a film that uh, where you uh, have the one suspect and, uh, and it's just the, the focusing down on it. I mean, The Silence of the Lambs is like that, but obviously there are yeah. so many other things going on in that. I mean, that's just... That, that is... To distill that film down to that is to miss the whole like point, reason why the film's good. But you've got to be you've got to do other things. And that comes from a writing thing. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine this isn't original. I'm sure this is original. Mm. But I, I might have to look it up, but it seems like it is. Yeah. Just because there isn't enough... Unless they took plot got, out... Got, got it a novel, basically, to get it in under two hours or something. Yeah. But it's not much under two hours. Mm. Um, but, I have to say, I did... I was kind of interested for long enough. Um, I was disappointed. I, it's kind of like... It was, you know, interested me, interested me in finding out who this was. But then, when it gets to the point where, you know, it basically decides who the killer was, mm. that lost me. But then, the end, the finale, the final showdown, is spectacular, and it's shades of We Own the Night, but better. Right. Better shot. It's okay. it's like kind of like. I don't know, I can't really explain it because it's almost like the film is just trundling along for so long just so it can just whack us with a finale, you know, bring the goods in this finale because it's just set in the marshland with the reeds. Mm. The palette is so drained. It's virtually black and white wading through, you know, up to, you know, wading through water um, under reeds and it's just like, the actual chase through the marshes is absolutely brilliantly shot. There was another uh, film that ended in the marshes as well recently. I can't. I, oh. And I just remember thinking back then it's completely like we're in the marsh. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's it's really really good and it's just. How has James Gray only done one film since Two Lovers? But the Immigrant. Mm, I haven't even seen it. So give it a go. It's good. It's I quite liked it. Mm. Um. Yeah. So I. I mean, visually, I think the film. I think it's got you know it's kind of shades of old style Japanese films at the end. Right. Yeah. I know. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um. But, I mean, there's not enough of that. I would have liked more of a mystery, but. I think it's um I think it's perfectly all right. So okay. I'm going to give it a C plus. All right. Okay. So film of the week. Uh, Ant Man. You said that in such a sobering way. It's a bit of a sober to say. I mean, wish I was wish I wasn't sober when I saw it. Um. <laughs> so, Ant Man. I never know. I never know. Go on. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I'm definitely not doing the plot of this. <laughs> Dear oh, God. I'm trying to remember it. Um, 
Um, Ant-Man uh, begins many years ago. I can't remember exactly when, but no, really, who gives a crap? Um, begins with um, Michael Douglas having cr- uh, created a load of this uh, amazing technology, and then he starts uh-huh. to hide it from the, uh, the company that he's uh, working for. And then uh, 30 years later, the company, or however long later, the company uh, is catching up to the uh, sort of thing that he was doing back in the day, in inverted commas. And uh, for, uh, for some random reason, uh, Michael Douglas decides that uh, in order for, uh, for, to find the perfect person to wear the suit that he's uh, created, uh, uh, he's going to have to uh, go and get the most ridiculous backstoried uh, felon in the history of cinema. This is someone who went to jail for hacking to try and give people millions of dollars. It's the Robin Hood of um, Marvel, clearly. Yeah, well... Or the aunt, or... And Corey stalls the King John. Corey stalls many things in this film. Um, uh, so... Uh, it's after, rather dashing, actually. After, after, well. after apparently spending every single minute of his time whilst incarcerated in the gymnasium, uh, Paul Rudd uh, decides to uh, go uh, to agree to uh, Michael Douglas's uh, plea to be the Ant Man, uh, so that he can save his relationship with his child, who he fathered with Judy Greer. Oh, God, I knew we'd get there. It's... Okay, firstly, can we talk about Michael Douglas' face in the first five (laughs) minutes of this film? I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, has he just gone and got surgery for this film? Bit of the Benjamin Buttons, wasn't it? It was a... Yeah, it was a visual effects (laughs) feat that might help with the, um, the shortlist. I think we know where some of the budget went. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was just interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, I think, the, yeah, I think you nailed the problem with the film. And I don't really think the, f- I don't think the film's bad, particularly bad. Mm. But I think you nailed the problem. It's basically, it's so relentlessly formulaic the whole way through. And you've got him as the divorced father. Um, Bobby Cannavale's stepdad, you know, against the father. Because he's also the only cop in town. Exactly. And then you've got the mad scientist turned megalomaniac. And you've got... I mean, it's I mean, just... The writing in this... Okay. This is what I've been saying when people have been asking me about it since I've seen it. Or, uh, actually, nobody's been asking me about it when I say that I've seen it. Because no one's <laughs> asking me about this film. Um... I say, you know how Christopher Nolan films, the Batmans, are aimed at a certain age level. They're aimed at they're, those are clearly aimed at like sixteen-year-old lads. That's the target audience. The yeah. target for uh, audience, the age target audience for this film, has got to be what, I mean, what would you say? Eight. Oh, well, I would have said eight. It is so juvenile and so skated over. I mean, the motivation for the the, the bad guys being bad guys is that. If he sells the company, then there will be chaos. And that's it. And they say it twice. Oh, there'll be chaos. Really? Why? But but there'll be chaos. Oh, okay. Fine, there'll be chaos. So, 
he's a bad guy. Yes, because there'll be chaos. And that's it. It's as if you say it enough, then the the, the uh, eight-year-old kid is going to think, oh, oh my God, there's going to be chaos. We've got to stop him because there's going to be chaos. It's just, no. It's just terrible, terrible one-dimensional writing. Um, and and the tone, the tone is also, again, I mean, I would say that it's inner space meets speak sneakers, this film, but both of those, it would be a disservice to both of those films because it's more like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because it's, that's the age that this is aimed at. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that, though? Is there anything wrong with Not that? at I mean, all. No, there's no, nothing wrong with aiming a film at children. Uh, but I think this wants to be taken seriously. I think that's the problem. I th- I just think it didn't. I I felt like it didn't take itself seriously at oh, all. Oh no! Oh, the, the 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 tone is all over the shop. But then, I think it it doesn't want to be seen as just a stupid movie. Even I think it wants to be entertaining. So I, I don't think it's it, it, it felt like we're dealing with the second coming of Oliver Stone. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Yeah. I don't think they want to. Or they 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 would like to say, oh, it's just a moronic thing for. Um, uh, kids who are, who are in primary school. I don't think that's how a Marvel would like to see this film. Well, did you get the Pixels trailer? Yes. Terrible, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I think this is on the level of Pixels. I th- in terms of, I think that's what they're going for. I think that's what they're right. aiming for. Hmm. Just because, I mean, the amount we can tell by the people who are going to see the film as hmm. well. It's not like you know. It's it's definitely skewing younger in terms of the audiences that are seeing I mean, this film. This is what I mean. I work in a building where nobody else is under the age of forty, and nobody's yeah. asked me about this film. Yeah. Well, for a start, I mean, Ant Man. It's kind of demeaning the whole superhero element, anyway. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like he's got all these ants helping him. But I kind of quite liked that it was like a community, and it was celebrating the community and the teamwork in a different way as the Avengers does. Which the Avengers, they've all got powers anyway. Whereas this was like Michael Pena, who I thought was quite funny. He was actually. He's probably the best thing about the film for me. Yeah. And the general teamwork that happened with humans, who Michael Douglas thought were incompetent, and then you've got the ants. I kind of thought, I kind of liked that it wasn't, it didn't make a a physical hero out of a superpower, particularly. It wasn't, you know, the physicality. It was strong, but it was it wasn't really about the strength. It was more about the cunningness of it, mm. Mm. and it's you know. But at the same time, I mean, it's got it's got problems many other problems. Yeah. I, I think one one more cynical problem is that the almost physical need to reference the Avengers. I mean, the, um, I don't mm. care. I want to just put the that Anthony the... Mackie scene was terrible. Exactly, and it's just there just to try and like just tie it in. And just say, look, oh, you like this film? This is, we do. We're in the same universe here. Hi, but it's, you don't. It's just, it's just cheap. It's just cheap, and uh, it doesn't. That whole scene just adds nothing to it. And the, the it's. Do you not feel it's a bit too similar to Spider Man? In that, kind of, it's got this. Well, it's got, how it's many Marvel, how many how many how many comic book staple things are there? Like with a parents being mi- missing parents, yeah, missing parents, and all that sort of stuff. Responsibility. Mm. 
I mean, there is triteness and repetitiveness within the genre. I mean, anyway. But uh, what do you think of Rudd? Anyway, let's, let's get let's get the acting out of the way. I think he hasn't got anything to do. No. I mean, he may as well be like he could be anybody. He could be George. I mean, you could put George Clooney in this fifteen years ago. It's mm. pretty much the same thing. Mm. You just it's, was there just... any need for him to go to the gym? Uh, really, no. really, he's just a guy in a suit. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it didn't it didn't hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I thought I thought he had chemistry with Evangeline Lilly. Um, and I thought Evangeline Lilly was one of the better parts of of it. I actually thought the acting was pretty good on the whole. Mm. It's just there wasn't really enough. Well, the, the you know, three, they didn't really have characters. They the, just three, like, the three what? main good guys in inverted commas are appealing performers. Yeah. Uh, so, Douglas, Douglas had his moments. But um, with Douglas, I mean, it just makes me remember. I mean, because obviously he was a, can be a pretty beastly dramatic actor when he wants to be. I mean, especially Wall Street. Uh, but he can also be so charming and quirky. Romancing the Storm. Yes, and Wonder, I was Boys? Thinking, Wonder Boys is what I was thinking. I mean, Wonder Boys, if you ever want, if you're a burgeoning actor and you want to have an exhibition in line reading, then you will not get a better one ever than uh, than Michael Douglas in Wonder Boys. Just the delivery. The, snob. the delivery. The snob. Uh, well, no, well, 2000 was. Well, I don't. It was. Well, when a foreign performance gets in over that, it's yeah. snub. Hmm. It was a small film, but yeah. it's still well, Curtis Hansen. Though. I mean, people should have watched it, but it the the delivery of that screenplay from Douglas is absolutely unbelievable. It, it really is for me. But two, I I don't mind it because two thousand was was a very good year for lead actor. Yeah, but maybe not necessarily for the Academy one. Well, but isn't that isn't that always cast- the problem? Wasn't that Castaway? It was Castaway. Uh, uh, Ed Harrison Pollock would have been my pick of the noms. Um, put it that way. But um, uh, and who's then, the one? Who's the one I'm missing? Uh, Crow. Um, Crow Bardem. Crow Bardem. Uh, Harris in Pollock. Um, yeah. You're looking at. Um, Tom Hanks. Hanks, and I can't remember the other one. The problem is, I'm looking. Oh, Oh, Quills. Is it? Yeah, Jeff Rush. Jeff Rush, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I would pick uh, Ed Harris too. Mm. Mm. Well, I would have picked him, Jennifer Connelly, for other reasons. Um, uh, yeah, but my, I mean, Michael Douglas definitely—he's fun in this. I it's kind of nice to see him in something again, to be yeah. honest. You know, where he's not completely because behind the well, he was—he's kind cut, of the yeah. lead, really. Michael Douglas, but he's basically a core lead in this. Yeah, um, I think with, with, with this, um, loads of people have had, have had a hand in this. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that Edgar Wright's been on, in on it, just because mm. of how immature it is, frankly, <laughs> as a film. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah, it's much more Scott Pilgrim than Hot Fuzz, but 
Well, Edgar Wright was supposed to direct it. I think. Yeah, apparently pulled out. Apparently pulled out because he wanted to tell the story of of Roman and being given the powers of a man, rather than the other way around. That would have been even sillier, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I didn't mind. I quite liked. Similarly to Iron Man three, I liked how how wacky it was, and I liked that it didn't take itself seriously, and I liked that it skewed younger, because at the end of the day, I really do not want to see the series about people fighting about Infinity Stones like it's life or death. You know, it's like really, you know, let, let's have some fun with it. You know, let's play around with it. The Thomas the Tank Engine thing was quite funny. Oh, no, that was too Lego movie for me. I, that, it, it oh, really? Me, it lost me by then. <laughs> I just liked that it... I don't know. I thought it was playful. That's what I liked about it. But as a story, as a writing, as a piece of writing... Um, it does a garbage. The, the narrative was really, really <laughs> uninspiring. Oh, come on. Come on. Why am I the one who's going to be the bitch? <laughs> you go with really uninspiring, I go with that's a garbage. Um, I'm going to give Ant-Man a C+. Plus. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it 4 out of 10. High 2 stars, because I think special effects are good. In that respect, it does what it says in the 10. And uh, the main three are appealing enough to make it watchable, certainly. But I don't think it's even average for the genre. Okay. Alright, Shag, Mario, Kill. Right, so I'm going to pick one of yours to shag as in watching him right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I would go with Marshland just because it wouldn't have um, James Franco yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, I would marry uh, Le Combatant and kill Ant-Man for pretty obvious reasons, I think. Um, I would marry Ant-Man mm. um, because it's... Easily the most watchable. You I could saw. put up with Corey Stoll's performance every week for the rest of your life. I could put up with Corey Stoll's <laughs> appearance. Because <laughs> he's very, very dashing in this. Um, you, I, I mean, yeah, it got bad, didn't it? It did. He was more bad. over the top than the last scene in Black Adam the Third. God almighty. Sorry. <laughs> I'll apologise myself because I can't, cause, I, mean, I can't apologise for his performance on behalf of him. <laughs> oh dear. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took you out of your comfort zone there. What are I you mean, going on about, so, Shepard? So I would marry, I would marry yeah. Corey Stoll. Um, I would shag... Um, Combaton? Oh, no, now you got to pick one of yours, haven't you? Oh, really? Mm. Um, I would shag Marshland and kill True Story. Right. The position. The position. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Um, well, Les Combatants, Adele H, uh, possibly once, so I'll go with Say Do. Okay. Um, and then um, in Ant-Man... Imagine Lily, I was not feeling that stupid haircut at all, so we're going to have to reprogram her there. And mm-hmm. um, I might tick the box that says Dame Judy, 
So, uh, food session of seconds. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> um, what well, was Evangelina? Oh, Hayley Atwell, Hayley Atwell wasn't in it anywhere near enough to make a dent. Uh, what was Evangelina Hathaway? Yeah. Okay. Um, right, we'll start with True Story, James Franco, lovely, but no. Mm. The bar is higher. Mm. Jonah Hill is a no. Uh, there's nobody else of worth. Um, Le Combatant I didn't see. Yeah, but I don't think young David Moyes is going to be your thing anyway. <laughs> Not really. Oh, you might like the brother, possibly. You might like the brother. He's like a sort of better looking, uh, uh, stubble slash bearded uh, version of Adam Driver. Potential. Mm. Potential there. Mm. Uh, Marshland, apparently one of them, the main guy was a yes in I'm So Excited. Ah! But, um, I forgot everyone... that film existed. <laughs> Sorry for bringing it up. Oh my god, I've got visions of a sex orgy on a plane. <laughs> Damn you, Pedro. <laughs> um, but everyone has been say dude in this because they, they look really grim and horrible. Mm. Um... And Ant-Man, Paul Rudd is a yes. <laughs> Corey Stoll is lovely, but no. Yeah. And um, Michael Peña is lovely, but no. Anthony Mackie is very close, uh, but no. Say do for the stupid outfit. Say do, oh yeah, say do. For God's sake, do a musical or something. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Sit on the end of Emma Thompson's bed while she's dying. <laughs> when was that? No, just combined wit and angels in America. Oh, right. Oh, God. That's too grim, <laughs> even for us. Um, Yeah, and he's also, it's a 2.0 um, for Garrett, and he's also lucky that Ryan Reynolds wasn't seen this week. No. <laughs> Okay, so we are not having an episode next week. No, even though we, it's one one of the biggest films of the year coming out. We don't jinx it. Well, no, it's going to be one of the biggest. It's a Pixar film. It's going to be one of the biggest films of the year. But you are going to Tenerife. Yes, when, I, when my um, idea for what I wanted to do on my um, on this particular holiday was uh, various European uh, capital cities in mid Europe. Which would, would yeah. have been better for me as well. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to do a couple of days in Prague, a couple of days in Vienna, a couple of days in Bratislava, and I'm going to Tenerife. Bitter much. <laughs> um, but I'm going to Rome as well, uh, several days after. So we are going to have a podcast uh, in two weeks mm -hmm. in which we will talk about Inside Out. Yes, definitely. We will talk about Southpaw. Probably. Jake Gyllenhaal. We will talk about... Will we talk about Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Not if you say it. <laughs> will we talk about Hot Pursuit with Reese and Sofia Vergara? Ooh, you sold me there. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have Mia Hansen Love's latest effort. Which I which just is... saw the trailer for before Lake Combat On. Which I, was, and... which I was interested in until I saw a film by Mia Hansen Love. Now I'm just not at all. 
Well, you were interested, so... Well, it was interesting when it was like, like when it was Daft Punk. <laughs> so, Eden may get seen. Who knows? So, yeah. So, we'll look forward to... um. That Inside Out trailer's funny. I haven't seen the trailer. I've just seen like, a load of spin-off things. It's like in the middle of a boxing match and then you just cut to um, a load of like, sad, like, sadness crying because their ball band isn't working. <laughs> Have you got a jam this week? Um, no, got... but this is because I was basically a human jukebox at my, at my piano lessons the other day. Where the one girl halfway through asks me if I can teach her how to play Bruno Mars. I just put my head in my hands and went, Oh, God, which one? Uh, and then, so because I did Pass that with me a grenade. No, um, it was um, just the way you are. Um, oh. So because I did that, then when the older sister comes in, she thinks it's okay to ask for Taylor Swift. Yes, it's always okay. To ask for Taylor Swift. Not if you're the casting director of a stupid Jeff Bridges movie, it isn't. 